Welcome to Converse from the Couch from Life Stance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging and informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Converse from the Couch by Life Stance Health. I'm Nikki Lanza, and on today's episode, I'll be talking with Angel Kramer from our Chesterfield, Missouri office, and she'll be helping us learn more about evolutionary psychology. Hi, Angel. It's always, always great to see you, for sure. Hey, Nikki. It's always great to be on. And I'm really excited about this topic because evolutionary psychology has been something I've been personally interested in and trying to learn more about. So the fact that I can pick your brain about this really gets me really excited. So... So this will be, I know it's gonna be a really great conversation. So let's jump in. What is evolutionary psychology? So in a nutshell, evolutionary psychology is a theory that combines the science of biology with psychology. And, you know, that breaks down into the study of how our behavior, our thoughts, our feelings have passed down to us through evolution. What I'm referring to when we're talking about this might be a little bit of a misnomer to utilize the term evolutionary psychology, but to be honest, I'm not quite sure what else to call it. It's a little bit more along the lines of anthropological research into how our history and our ancestors are impacting us today. So that's how you're describing the term anthropological is like how our ancestors have, uh, you know, basically affect us today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, use, using the term evolution kind of comes with a little bit of criticism and maybe even a little bit of controversy, because we can kind of slip into the risk of racism coming out, ableism coming out, among numerous other things that aren't inclusive and aren't taking into consideration what people are truly bringing to the table. So looking at it from an anthropological perspective, hopefully takes out some of that racism a little bit, some of that ableism, so that way we can apply it to people today, regardless of what they're bringing to the table. Got you, got you. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Which then leads me into, you know, how does this help us understand human behavior? Yeah, so it tries to explain some of our tendencies today and maybe even some of our struggles. An example of this might be our innate fear, some of our innate fear of snakes and spiders. Okay. No, that is one of the most common reported phobias on the planet across the board, snakes and spiders. Not lions, tigers, bears, oh my, snakes and spiders. Because at one point in time, we had to be hyper aware of those little creepy crawlies to stay safe. You know, we didn't have to be innately and acutely aware of lions and tigers and bears because we could see them with those creepy crawlies. Ah, right. They posed a bigger risk. Well, today we aren't sleeping generally on the ground out in the middle of nowhere without very little shelter, but that fear is still there. Yeah, that it is. So having that understanding of where it comes from hopefully helps to minimize some of the distress we feel 
over that phobia and help minimize some of that negative self-talk of why am I scared of these things? What is wrong with me? There isn't anything wrong. Evolutionarily, it was passed down to us from our ancestors to have that fear. That actually makes total sense. And it makes me think of even people who are just struggling with generalized anxiety disorder and how that disorder really does really paralyze people with anxiety throughout their day. And I think what you're saying is linking it back to our ancestors of when we would have anxiety, it would be for more survival kind of things, right? There's a reason why evolutionarily speaking, you know, for survival that we need to remember like this thing over here, that bear that we can see or that snake or this, you know, I need to remember that. So then, you know, moving forward, I don't forget that and I can kind of survive. So I guess my question more specifically, our modern day anxiety isn't us surviving like our ancestors, but it definitely seems to be, you know, feel so significant to us. Can you talk more to that? Yeah, absolutely. So this kind of ties into a big component of evolutionary psychology or anthropological psychology with mismatch theory. Uh, tell us more about mismatch theory. Absolutely. Mismatch theory happens when the environment that a creature has adapted to changes so rapidly, evolution cannot keep up. Interesting. And if we take a look at our history, it would make sense why we experience this mismatch today. You know, the hominid family has been around potentially for six to seven million years. Homo sapiens or modern humans have only been around for about 200 of those years or 200,000 of those years rather. That's a pretty big amount of time in evolution. Yeah. And then if we break it down even further, modern civilization has only been around for since about 4,000, 3,000 BCE. You know, we started in Mesopotamia around that time as a civilization. For people who aren't good at math, that's about five to 6,000 years ago. Okay, wow. So we've been around for 200,000 years and only 6,000 years have we been similar to the state we're in today. Wow, when you break it down like that, that really like, wow. Yeah, it kind of helps put it in perspective a little it bit. It does. That is less than 0.1% of our history on the planet. Wow. And even less of that has been industrialized. The industrialization happened about 200 years ago. Before that, everyone, except those in a truly privileged position of luxury, experienced the survival instinct on a regular basis. You know, we were consistently looking for food, whether it was as hunter-gatherers or farmers. We were consistently trying to survive. It's only been 200 years that that bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy has been sustained and not necessarily an issue for the general public. Wow. And but the anxiety of survival is still there. I, I, I hear you, I definitely hear you on that. And just to jump back for someone who might not know the hierarchy from Maslow, that first one is our, our safety needs, correct? Our security and safety needs there. Mm -hmm. Got you, so wow. Yeah, so that mismatch is ever present 
and we haven't been able to evolve quick enough to match the major changes we've experienced in the last 200 years. So is this almost like our brains that are, are still, you know, that was formulated for 200,000 years ago is navigating our modern world and it hasn't quite caught up to example, our technology and the stressors of today and things like that. Is that in a way, another way of putting it? Absolutely, yeah. That's probably a little more succinctly than my very verbose <laughs> way of explaining our last 200,000 years. No, I, I love it though, because you're giving a bigger context to it, for sure. So, which then, you know, looking at, you know, what are we, if evolution and or even looking at anthropologically, you know, we're adapting. And I think that's what one thing that we're really good at as humans that we adapt to things. Mm -hmm. right? But in modern day, you know, if our brain is still has evolved from much longer ago to now, I, are we struggling to adapt then? Is that often what, is that what you're saying a bit? Somewhat. So we are incredibly adaptable creatures. We have flexibility mentally, physically. We can adapt to any climate on the planet within reason. You know, we have survived on most of the continents, except for Antarctica. We've, we've not really found evidence of a surviving civilization on Antarctica yet. So we are incredibly adaptable. And many of the ways that we have adapted over the last 200,000 years have been to our benefit. You know, that's why we've been able to expand so much in the last 200 years. But some of those remnants are still hanging in there. Some of those survival instincts, some of those innate fears, um, some of those needs are not quite being met in the last 200 years. And some of those boil down to community. We are so incredibly connected today. Yeah. Yet in many ways, we aren't connected at all anymore. I we are used. Go ahead. To like social media, meaning like we're connected, but yet we're not connected. Yeah. We're connected by social media through the internet. Our cities are bigger. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. We live in apartment buildings with numerous people. We attend things that involve a great amount of people when our brain is designed to hold communities of about 50 to 150 wow. people. Got you. Anything over 150, and it feels very overwhelming and very isolating. It is almost an opposite action impact. And we're missing out on that connection of those 50 to 150 people that we're used to in that tribal situation. Got you. And, you know, that isolation can lead to anxiety, it can lead to depression, and can be linked to a lot of our mental distress, even to the point of family and child rearing. You know, we routinely are expecting parents of babies, of young children to do this all on their own. And that creates a huge increase in postpartum depression when we're used to being tribal and being connected with one another. You know, there's the old adage of it takes a tribe to raise a child that comes from something and not having that tribe anymore creates a lot of disconnect a lot of dysfunction a lot of distress and that can be explained by where we come from it's not necessarily an answer to it gotcha. but it explains 
where that influence comes from. So it makes me think of this. <clears throat> People carry a lot of anxiety, specifically the social anxiety of like fear of being kicked out. Like if we're gonna be more specific, a teenager, right? Wanting to be accepted by their peers. And so with that comes a lot of social anxiety. Oh, did I do this right? Did I do it? Am I seen as cool? Am I not? And so is that based in the fear of being kicked out of the tribe per se? Or even thinking about when families are disowned by their families and how disconnecting that feels and what how deeply rooted that really does send people, if I should use the term, off the edge because of the, the disconnected from family. When maybe back in the day, if I should use that term very loosely, of like, if you were disconnected from your family, you maybe didn't survive. So we're talking about like hundreds of years ago or you know, 100,000 years ago or so. I, I feel like I'm kind of like blundering around with this and you're probably more eloquent. Tell us more about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that need for connection and need for a tribe is innate and it is a deeply held need mm -hmm. to the point where back in the day in Athens, one of the biggest punishments was to be ostracized. Oof, right. You know, today we see that more like, why was it that big of a deal for this philosopher to have been kicked out of Athens? Why didn't they just go to Sparta? It was a big deal because that was our connection. That was our identity. And being kicked out from our society likely resulted in death. And today that same kind of response is still activated, even though it is way more of a likelihood to be kicked out of Athens today and just go to Sparta. You know, we're used to being in that ever-changing, used to being in that ever-changing environment. Mm. You know, we're a little bit more adaptable these days, but that anxiety and that fear of losing our tribe is yeah. still there. Yeah. We need yeah. that connection to really thrive as humans, as creatures on this planet. So, you, I mean, it's so key that you're sharing that because it really shows like how deep-rooted that is for us. It's not merely a diagnosis of anxiety or social anxiety that that fear disconnection, you know, it's so rooted in our ancestors too. So mm -hmm. that's so poignant to me right there. Gosh, wow. What's another little, if you don't mind, like another little interesting fact that, you know, and how we're rooted to our past like that. Yeah. So one of the other major things other than the anxiety and the connection um, that's readily present is our connection with food. Hmm. Tell us you more know, about our, that. Yeah, our relationship with food is also something that's been passed down to us from our ancestors. We come from a long history of hunter-gatherers and even farmers, and that connects us to the natural world around us with the seasons, uh, with the natural migration habits and patterns of animals. So at that time, and for hundreds of thousands of years in our history, we have longed for and needed a high fat, high calorie diet because we didn't know when starvation was in our future. Good point. So we had to kind of store that fat and get that intake, which meant that is what we longed for. Well, in the last 200 years, food hasn't been as much of an issue. It's been a little bit more abundant than it has been in any of our recorded history. But that need 
for high fat, for high calorie diet is still there. But our brain doesn't know we aren't in survival mode anymore. That's so now when we feed that part of ourselves, we don't have the restraint. So we struggle with obesity, we struggle with diabetes, and it has become an epidemic because our brain hasn't adjusted to the fact that we can walk to the fridge and get right. food. Right. You know, even the way we shop for groceries has changed in the last hundred years. You know, pre pri prior to 1920, you had to go to a grocery store with your list and someone else gathered the food for you. You didn't even really interact with that. Or beyond that, you were a farmer and you grew it and cultivated it and canned it yourself. Now we go to the grocery store and we have aisles and aisles and aisles of all of these options. And our ancestral brain is going, give it all to me. Right, <laughs> right. And we haven't quite adapted to shut that down unless we are actively aware of it and actively working on a healthier diet. So to, to speak of that, not just related to diet, because that was a great example you gave there of like, wow, that's even connects us back to our ancestors and stuff. But you know, how do we overcome it? If, if you're basically saying our brains are not evolved enough to be in our current 2022 time, how do we get there? And that maybe that's a question you're like, you know, but I, wh where do we go from here with that? Yeah, so by no means am I saying the answer is to go back to the ancestral way of living. Okay. I think we are beyond that point. But having some of that influence active in our lifestyle can be greatly beneficial. Having that awareness and that mindfulness is what evolutionary psychology is aiming for. And that can come out in numerous different ways. It might be being more mindful of where our food comes from and how we are ingesting it and how we are utilizing that abundance. Mm -hmm. It could also be making sure that we're having some face-to-face -face interactions, even though this is so convenient to have each other on a screen, but making sure we have that support and that connection outside of a computer screen and taking it a step beyond that and making sure that we have time in our days where we disconnect from that screen. Yeah. We disconnect from those phones that we have ever present at our side. I didn't even have to look where my phone was and I knew where to grab it. <laughs> so having that disconnect to be human, to be a part of this planet. And that might mean going outside getting out into nature a little bit, even if it's just stepping outside your front door and touching the grass, breathing some of that air, feeling that sunshine and getting that vitamin D that we've evolved to need for our mental well-being, and moving your body. In the last 200 years with the industrialization, we have gone from being farmers and nomads and hunter-gatherers to living more sedentary lifestyles. So getting up and moving and stretching that body, walking a little bit, doing whatever it is to get that body in motion because our bodies are designed to be in motion. It's not designed to sit at this desk all day. And in those little ways, those little changes to our day-to-day -day life, we can both honor where we've come from and continue that part of ourselves that is needed all of those instincts are needed and are there for a reason. We just have to figure out how to express it and how to utilize it 
in today's world without creating distress, without creating anxiety, without creating disconnect. And I think that's the easier said than done part right there, right? I, yeah. I think what you're saying and just understanding anthropological psychology too, is just being aware of this, right? That yes. so it's easier said than done, but if you're aware of it, then you can move yourself to being more mindful and things like that. Exactly. Uh, the, move, the need for movement isn't just for just health and exercise, which it is, but it, it's deeply ingrained in, in us as humans. Mm -hmm. We are humanists quite a bit, you know? Yeah. And our ancestors as well. Right, it's a very humanistic approach to our well-being, our mental well-being, physical well-being, and it kind of looks us looks at us as a whole, mind, body, spirit. Yeah. From where we've come from and where we are today. What got you into this initially, Angel? What what drew you to the? I can understand the interest in it, but what what was it for you that initially drew you to more of that field of evolutionary psychology? Yeah. So <laughs> if I hadn't become a therapist, I would have been an anthropological researcher. I would have been knee deep in that dirt, digging up all of those bones of our ancestors. But as life does, I went down a different path. But as I've practiced therapy and I've connected with people, there are little moments and sessions where it re-triggers that knowledge of anthropology. It's like, oh, I wonder if where we were 10,000 years ago as hunter-gatherers is creating this anxiety. And I wonder if channeling that and having an understanding and awareness of that and trying to figure out how to implement that today can help us feel better. And from there, it has just led me down a rabbit hole of exploring where we've come from, what our ancestors brought to the table and both how we can honor them and utilize that knowledge to help hopefully reconnect us today. Love that for sure. Any other takeaways or anything else that you can help us connect evolutionary psychology or anthropology to today? I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, this isn't meant to say that we need an overhaul of where we are today. It's not meant to say that where we were is better than where we are today, or that it is the sole reason for our mental distress today but that it gives us a little bit of an understanding of how our past still impacts us. And maybe even gives us the opportunity to recognize that we are creatures on this planet and helps ground us a little bit. I agree and very well put. Thanks. Thank you, Angel. Again, it's always so lovely speaking with you. Thank you for educating us on this topic that probably a lot of people are not familiar with. So mm -hmm. I appreciate your knowledge and you sharing that knowledge with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on again.